about the week, no show. What's happening in our streets, no show. They'll help you understand, no show, no show. Welcome to the No Show. My name's Andrea Edwards. And I am the disembodied voice known as Joe Augustine. (laughs) (laughs) And we're missing Tim and we're missing Ariwa, who's calling in from Nigeria. So uh, as soon as they call in, they're going to join us. But um, tell us what's going on, Joe. Why why can't we see you? Well, I have had the the good fortune of of having my retina detached from the back of my eye, uh, from my eye. So that's the... um, it, it's. I say good fortune because of the circumstances around it. I happen to be in Singapore. I happen to have reasonably good insurance. Uh, and science is just what it is because this is one of those things that basically would have been it for an eye back in the old days. Um, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's a pretty nasty one. It's one of the. It's 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 one of those things that usually leads to blindness. Oh God, and yeah. like, and so basically for a couple of weeks you've got to sort of have your head down. Which- <laughs> Which is kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah. So that, that's the that's uh, the other reason why I'm doing the show like I am right now. I'm, I'm I, I'll describe what I'm doing right now. I'm actually at my desk. Uh, you know how John in Garfield used to be in, in or Garfield actually in, in Garfield used to be totally frustrated at John and slam his head down to the table. So I am basically now with head down to the table because I have to keep my eyes looking at the floor all the time as much as possible. Right. And uh, I've got that going right now, even as we speak. I have <laughs> my iPad somewhere near the floor. Um, it's a complicated look. <laughs> I can imagine. I was hoping on an eye patch so that we could uh, do some pirate impersonations. But Ariwa is here. He's calling in from Nigeria. So let's let's welcome Ariwa. Here you go. Hello. Hello. Good morning, everybody. Uh, Good morning there, Ariwa. Let's try, let's try and get that volume of yours up a little bit if we can on the on the settings there. Okay. So yeah, but, one, of the, one of the reasons I, I wanted to invite Ariwa is he is actually one of my business partners and he's done both of my websites. He does all of my graphic design. He does my PowerPoints. He did the design for Uncommon Courage, the book cover. He does lots and lots and lots of things, and he's he's a great partner, and we've been working together for quite a few years now. Uh, but also, he's based in Nigeria, and I thought it would be great to get an African perspective of what is going on in the world from a political perspective as well as an environment perspective. But, Ariba, do you want to share a little bit more about you and what you do and what you care about? Uh, well, um, I hope you guys can hear me loud and clear. Um, yeah, we can hear you now. All right, thank you so much. Um, so I've actually been into um, branding for quite a few years. I think since around 1999. And so um, I only decided to get online to be able to offer my services to the world around 2007. And ever since then, it's, it has been um, a roller coaster ride. So apart from that, I've also been very much involved in um, non-profit uh, activities. I I had an NGO in 2009 called the Erard Foundation with a friend of mine. And um, ever since then, we've been doing quite a lot of things. But we are just trying to rebrand our NGO recently. Uh, uh, we have the new name now called um, Impact Passion. and our focus is mainly on uh, five things. 
personal development, entrepreneurship, climate change, um, um, academic excellence, and um, environmental sustainability. So that's what we are focusing on for our NGO. Awesome. Awesome. Good, good work. All right. So we're not really sure what's happened to Tim today. So we're going to get, we're going to get stuck into it. And, uh, we're going to have some sections where Ari was going to share from a perspective of what's going on either in Nigeria or in the region. And I'm happy to hear the climate and sustainability is part of the NGO. All right. So we'll start with some quick takes. Um, we, we've lost a, quite a few famous people in the last couple of weeks, including one who shall not be named. And I, it'd be interesting to know if you know who I'm talking about. But I think Tina Turner's death yesterday sparked a, a, a global outpouring. Uh, mainly of respect and love and admiration. She's certainly a lady that um, I I put up there as one of the one of the greats. Um, what do you What did you guys think? What was your response? Well, just quite shocked because you know I I, I kind of figured that she would go on a little bit longer than this. But uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a pity to see someone go um, as young for the kind of energy that she had. Yeah, eighty three is good innings, right? Yeah, it's not bad. <laughs> Ariwa, did you hear? It's hard. It was. I'm sure. Even I'm sure everyone heard, right? Yeah, yeah. I actually, I actually heard about Tina Turner's demise, and it's you know one of those things that um, usually takes us uh, by surprise uh, when we hear that someone as um, influential and as um, you know someone that actually helped a lot of people to really get out of their depression, you know, with uh, the, the the level of music she actually delivers and how she has actually in, impacted the lives of people. So it happens like that. And mm. we, we we usually don't expect it, but it, it just happens and we just have to, you know, move on and look at how to help others that help us to really get to where we are to see how we can make them live a better life so that they can actually go uh, in a much more, um, how do I put it, uh, in, in a much more serene environment, you know, yeah. with mm. what's actually happening in the world today. Yeah, nice. Yeah, so let's use the lessons. She was doing quite a few podcasts in the last few years before her death, and I, I was aware of her medical sort of complications, so... Her death didn't come as a surprise to me. But if you have a chance, I think Oprah Winfrey did a couple with her as well. Um, they're, re- they're really powerful. She's, yeah, she's she's a special lady. But um, some, other, some other quick takes. So there's a gang of orcas off the coast of Gibraltar that are sinking sailing boats. And basically what these orcas are doing is they think that there's this one female, because it's a matriarchal species, was injured by a sailing boat and then she's attacked them and then teaching the other orcas how to do it. So it's actually a growing <laughs> issue, and I'm, I, I find it really, really fascinating. Um, sticking yeah. with sticking with boats, if you're uh, if you rely on shipping personally or professionally, so if your industry has uh, sort of is shipping is a big part of get, you know getting goods around the world, it's going to get a lot more expensive, maybe for a while, maybe for a long time, as the Panama Canal is imposing restrictions on cargo due to a worsening drought which is dramatically lowering the water levels. So just another ch- climate change impact. Um, when it comes into, to the US, where to start? There's so much going on over there at the moment. But one highlight for me was Ron DeSantis announced that he's running for president. 
Uh, Musk invited him to do it on Twitter Live and um, Twitter fell over and it failed. So, yeah. anyway, couldn't happen to a nicer guy as far as I was concerned. I uh, thought that was um, interesting. The fail well, whale, the Twitter fail whale strikes again. Yeah, yeah. Um, so one of the most fascinating stories of the week for me in the last, uh, especially in the last couple of weeks, but there's these two Russian freedom groups that have basically been staging cross-border raids from Ukraine into Russia, and um, it looks looks like they could be building a force against the Russian corrupt elite. And, that, and they're getting lots of media coverage. They're very good at the media coverage. There's a lot of disinformation about this, but obviously if this takes hold, we could be looking at civil war in Russia. So that's a story worth keeping an eye on. Um, Russia's woes, uh, not Russia's, Trump's woes continue, obviously in the in the legal case, but um, apparently him and Giuliani had a deal going where you could pay $2 million for a pardon, which is, of course, against the law. And another big story that broke this week was at Target stores across the US. They're, uh, basically, people are coming in off the street and recording uh, these people themselves abusing staff and customers because Target's yeah. featuring LGBTQIA plus clothing and apparel. So it's a big yeah. story. The CEO of Target's come out and basically taken these goods off the shelf. So that's creating a conversation because if you if you comply to their demands, well, when's it going to stop? But at the same time, with what's going on in America, especially with gun violence. Um, you want to protect your employees and your customers' lives. So I think that's a really big story that's going to start to see some interesting permeations. Any other big stories breaking this week you guys have been paying attention to? Well, I've, I've had little much to keep my eye on. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Arua, anything? Uh, well, well, we have our own big story right here. We are about to swear in a new president, in a few days' time, that is um, on the 29th of this very month. In fact, the inaugural program has already started two days ago, where they started giving um, awards and um, um, official, they call it official, maybe, um, terms for, because they do it, I think they did it only in Nigeria. So they give people um, the title of GCFR, GCON, and all kinds of, you know, O-O-N, all kinds of titles. All right. We've, I think we've lost a rewa. Have you lost him too, Joe? Yep. yep. Sounds, sounds like yep. they're doing a lot of uh, new things with the new government coming it's, in. It's actually being yeah. given by the federal government anyway. And so... so well, uh, sorry, you're, 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 you're having some issues with your connection. You might need to check. And so... But but let's let's um let's do some other news stories and then let's really I want to talk about what's going on in Nigeria with the recent elections and the impact because I know the the result wasn't necessarily what the young people were hoping for and there was a lot of people dis- disappointed so I, I want to talk about that in a minute all right so let's see if you can fix your Wi-Fi connection for now but okay so there's um when it comes to the climate so let's get on to some bigger meteor stories when it comes to the climate there's a lot that's coming through thick and fast right now I'm sure you're all Seeing, seeing that. And it's really hard to slim down what I'm sharing. Um, but one of the biggest ones for me is the statement that global heating will drive billions of people out of the climate niche. So the climate niche are temperatures averaging between 15 and 26 degrees Celsius. And humanity has flourished in, this, in, this, um, in these temperatures for millennia. 
So it's going to expose us to unprecedented temperatures and extreme weather. So according to scientists, the world is on track for 2.7 degrees of heating, which will include phenomenal human suffering. And I want to show you a map of what that looks like. So if you're listening to this or watching this, you'll be able to see the map, and I'm happy to share this on social media afterwards. This has appeared uh, with a few of the articles. So all of that purple area in the middle, that's the too-hot-to-live zone. So the three of us are all in that area, but you can see right at the very, very top, the really dark red and almost burgundy uh, across the deserts of Australia, you can see the same sort of colours. So the little bits that are green, that's apparently where the temperature uh, will be okay. But what I always find really interesting about these sort of visualizations is they're showing the world at 2.7 degrees warming from a temperature perspective. But what does this mean from an ocean sea rise perspective? You know, mm-hmm. how, how, how much of that land actually will even be there? But it's pretty interesting, right? Well, it's a uh, it's certainly a wake up call. I think I think when you when you have one of these maps come out, right, you always look at it and go like, okay, let's let's think of it like as a lottery. Do I have I won the lottery here? And then mm. you look and go like, ah, damn, we're there. <laughs> we have to move. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And uh, you'd you'd probably want to be at least twenty, thirty, forty meters above sea level as well to guarantee any chance. <laughs> mm. But but there's been um but there's been a really interesting sort of conversation around this. So. Up to, uh, up to a billion people could be forced to migrate to cooler places, of course, um, but that doesn't mean that the people in the cooler places are going to be experiencing uh, heaven on earth, not at all. Extreme weather events are still going to be happening. But the message is we've got to do everything we can to make sure that we don't go too far past 1.5 degrees C. They still talk about keeping it at or under, which is you know impossible from everything I've seen. But if we can sort of keep it around the 1.5 mark, which also continues to have unbelievable impacts we could reduce the niche therefore the amount of people that need to move by 80 percent which means there's only 400 million people on the move so i think that sounds like a worthy goal that we're at the point now where we've got to do everything we can Uh, in countries with large populations and already experiencing uh, these extremes uh, most people will be pushed outside of the human climate niche and india and nigeria so China, India, China and Nigeria are the three most populous nations on earth. So India and Nigeria are facing the worst climate changes. So, you know, this is this is on the way. It's where, where this is the, the path that we're on. So what do you think, Ariwa? Um, well, from what we've been experiencing here most recently, um, we have actually seen that the rate at which we used to have rainfall has drastically reduced. And from the practices of those within this environment, um, a lot of people do not even understand what climate change is is all about and why it is necessary for us to do things that would help us um, secure a better future when it comes to our climate. Uh, Because most recently we've had an influx of uh, real estate uh, businesses springing up everywhere. And for these real estate businesses to spring up, they have to um, bulldoze or clear off a large expanse of land that has you know, uh, the necessary um, arable crops and stuff that would help to reduce uh, the climate problem. So with this consistently happening and 
with the exports of charcoal in Nigeria, especially, it's actually a very big business, charcoal exports. And that requires a lot of trees to be cut down. Mm. You know, bonds, they are going to cut down the trees. It's going to reduce the afforestation. They are going to burn it. It's going to increase the emissions. And then they are going to... So, so it's like the country is constantly working towards putting uh, you know, itself into a problem when it comes to climate change. And that's one of the reasons why we actually made climate change one of our core um, focus to help orientate people and make people understand that instead of cutting down trees, we need to plant trees so that we can actually help ourselves to build a more sustainable environment for the future, yeah. not just for ourselves, but for our children also. Yeah. It's so it's so important what you're saying, Ariwi, because I, I think a lot of people, especially in the in the developed world, you know, they don't understand it. You know, I, I was talking to someone from Bang, uh, not from Bangladesh, from Bangalore the other day, and uh, one of the things that I noticed was the amount of you know, so the technology industry came in, they built up this incredible city, um, high rises everywhere, building office buildings, you know, all this sort of stuff, and it's it's I mean, transportation there's crazy, but all of the 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 farmers local farmers especially the small farmers have been pushed out and so when 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 the famine's hit and there's no food available you know it's like and then you know, the coal story it's like oh but um some other things around the climate that have happened is um france has now declared that it is preparing for a four de- four degrees warmer world which is a pretty dramatic sort of announcement um you know most most believe that by the time we hit three we're human you you know, human civilization is pretty much done. Um, but then there's another one. James Hansen, he's a, sci- a scientist that I follow. He's been getting a lot more active. So he's the guy that's saying that we're going to we're heading towards 10 degrees Celsius. So some misrepresentation of that was presented this week, and he came out and he said we are not committed to 10 degrees global warming, but if we continue on the path that we're on, we're going to achieve 10 degrees global warming. And of course, the cockroaches start sort of suffering at eight degrees. So 10 degrees isn't somewhere we want to go. So there's a couple of big things, you know, in the climate section of the weekend reads. I really recommend digging into it. A couple of articles. Denial doesn't change our climate reality. Earth is becoming a sacrifice zone and us, we're sitting in the global south and we know that's true. Another side is the upper atmosphere is cooling, prompting new climate concerns. So we're really messing up with every layer of the atmosphere now. Anyway, I'm going to pass it over to Joe to talk about the American debt ceiling and see if you can help people who don't understand it, understand what it's all about. Okay, well, you're going to hear a lot about it if you follow American news and you hear the Democrats as well as the Republicans blaming each other for the problems. Um, But first of all, let's talk about the debt ceiling itself. The the debt ceiling basically is, it's not a change of the budget. So a lot of people listening to the rhetoric, might think that they're talking about you know, a change in the budget and spending on this and that and the other. Actually, what it is, is actually about how the U.S. finds a way to pay for what it's promised to pay for at the start of its financial year. So there is a budget, and then there is the money to try to pay for the budget. And some of these monies or some of these uh, funds don't come in immediately. Taxes come in at the end, for instance. And so there is a deficit or a gap between where we are in terms of what money you have to spend today and the money that will will come in the future. So because of that, there's a a kind of a debt that you can then take against that 
and uh, borrow against the future, so to speak. So that, that that's the idea, essentially, of the, 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 the debt that runs the American economy, uh, the American government. Now, the thing is, there is also what they call a debt ceiling, which is the allowable amount of debt that you're supposed to get into. And that's been something that's been growing over time. And it's sort of the factor of uh, it's a factor of how the world works in general. Things are just going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. Numbers are going to get bigger all the time. Uh, but there is now an impasse because the, 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 the Democrats need to get that ceiling raised to pay for things that they feel are important. And what the uh, what the Republicans are trying to do right now is say, yeah, we can raise that as long as we can get some cuts that we want to remove from your existing expenditure. Now, both sides have been trying to engage, and they've been engaging at different uh, a different pace. Um, the Republicans have basically uh, created this 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 narrative. That that they've done all the work, and that um, that it's only the the the, the, the Democrats have taken a long time to come back with their their version of what is the the right thing. Um, but it, it's it's basically both sides stonewalling on something that really isn't an option to stonewall on, because if the the debt ceiling is not increased. It'll be the first time in history that the U.S. defaults on its uh, debts. Now, uh, one of the fundamental beliefs of the world economy is that the Americans always pay their debts. That's the that's one of the things that has uh, underpins a lot of things. So agreements for oil, uh, you know, all, all the uh, a lot of things like cotton. Um, every every kind of uh, thing that's settled in U.S. dollars essentially now will be based on the idea that you can, first of all, rely on the U.S. dollar to have a certain value. Now, if the U.S. defaults, what happens is the U.S. currency itself suddenly becomes something that has less value. And that's going to mean all kinds of things get unpegged. And the estimates are millions of jobs could be lost. Uh, that's just in the U.S., and uh, many, many more jobs lost around the world as well. This, this could be, I mean, um, it, it, in the in the worst description of it, it's basically cataclysmic, right? I mean, you're, you're talking about uh, it's a it's a tsunami of effects around the world, um, and it could be world damaging. And basically, both sides know that this can't happen, but both sides don't want to show as though they're going to blink. So there's a deadline coming up. And there's all kinds of things that are happening past the deadline. And as has happened in the past, they, they've actually gone past the deadlines uh, one or two days and all that. And, and, and that's, that's what history has, has shown us. Uh, but at this time right now, it seems to be much more critical because the level of debt is always, like I said, always increasing. So now there's a lot more at stake if the debt ceiling doesn't get passed. Um, and, and both sides, like I said, are, are wanting their concessions. So uh, the Republicans have actually said some. One of the Republicans has said something like, uh, "We don't negotiate with our hostage," which kind of <laughs> reveals, which reveals the the, the the state of affairs because they uh, they they do essentially have the Democrats against the wall. Um, and the question now is, who will pay uh, the price in the end for the politicking? Because um, someone's got to lose out on, on a few things. And it's uh, 
it, it's a question of deciding who it, it's a bit of a Sophie's choice situation because somebody has to lose out and it's a question of who will get chosen in the end so that's the problem now and it's, mm. it, and and unfortunately what happens is also in terms of the on the ground it really it, it's really one of those things where both sides have made the story about the other side being the absolute bad guys so it, it's it, it, I can't see America feeling much better about even solving the debt crisis. Um, but they certainly can't afford to get into it. Um, a quick you, know, you said just, just yeah. you said um, uh, you think the Democrats are against the wall. From everything I'm reading, I feel like it's not the Democrats against the wall. I feel yeah. like it's the Republicans, and 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 it's the division in the Republicans. And Speaker McCarthy's position is obviously very uh, unstable, as it always has been, and he's he's being held um, by by some of the extreme elements of the Republican Party. That's kind of where I'm sort of. Seeing it, yep, yep. So that's that's the that's the phenomenon. See, we, we're we're I, I'm looking at it. I, I've, I've watched both sides of it, and I can hear the Republican side, and I can agree with what their their perspective is as far as the ground is concerned. So what it's a, it's a case of both sides have the story that is true for each side. So yeah. you know what 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 you see is absolutely true, and what what is on the other side that has, that has been said as well is also absolutely true. Yeah. As in as in you know um, the, the Republicans have made a very clear case for their uh, side of it. Uh, so so it's one of those things where both sides are right. So someone has to someone has to blink on it, and uh, mm-hmm. no one can afford for anyone to not do the actual thing, which is to 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 raise the debt ceiling. The question is, what will the price be politically for those people who do it? Yeah, right. I'm um, sorry, just just quickly, those, you were talking about the impact around the rest of the world. I think that's the probably the important thing for us to understand. Do you want to just just go into that a bit more? Uh, well, I, I didn't I didn't get uh, way too deep into the into the weeds of right. the story, but the the essence of it is well, El Nino is on the way. We've been talking about it on this show for a long time now. Uh, yeah. And in terms of the economic uh, economic uh, impact of things, um, the U.S. debt ceiling, this whole thing is going to be is seen as a as a as a, as a big factor. Um, El Nino is about the same size in terms of what it could do to our world as well. It's it's uh, in terms of um, what happens uh, when El Nino takes full hold, is it could wipe out about three trillion dollars of the world economy. And if you want more details about that, you can search out Business Insider India for their take on it. Yeah, that was interesting. All right, so Tim was going to do this one, but in Australia, there was a we have a leading uh, TV personality called Stan Grant. Um, I'm a big fan. He's an, an an indigenous journalist, and he's decided to step back from the media, uh, stating that it was basically due to racist abuse, and based, the whole the whole story sent shockwaves through Australia, especially through the media industry. And this all happened after he was commenting on the king's coronation and giving the indigenous perspective of how much their community suffered because of colonization fair enough apparently not australians don't like to talk about stuff like that so the, there's various aspects to this story um one of them is that it's not all of the media that is going against stan grant in in their media coverage of the coronation and actually the majority of the negative coverage has been from the murdoch media and, you know, they still have a very dominant position in Australia. But he also said that it was due to the lack of support that he received from inside the ABC. And, and there's a lot of commentary around the journalists, especially female and Indigenous journalists, who have to deal with so much abuse. 
And he, fi- he finished his speech with talking about how the media is failing society. And I think that was probably, for me, one of the most necessary and powerful statements. But um, if you have an opportunity, I've, I've put it in the weekend reads, go and have a look at his speech. It's very beautiful. It's very empowering. And um, it's obviously um, a very important moment for him. So, Ariwa, we had a bit of a failure with the uh, connection earlier, but let's let's um, just talk about. So, I think a lot of people in other parts of the world aren't necessarily paying enough attention to what's going on in Africa, and, and especially sitting in Nigeria, the third most populous nation on earth. You recently had an election. I was reading that um, there was a lot of disappointment because that people in 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 Africa, the youth vote is the dominant vote, right? So you don't have the boomer situation like we have in the developed world. But um, then, of course, we've got Sudan, and if, if this sort of ripples out, it could consume the entire region. So you were just talking about the Nigerian elections and the president's about to be put in place. Are people happy about that president? Uh, well, when it comes to election, there is always um, um, a two-way to it. And the first is the Nigerian youth generally we have access to social media and we do a lot of talking. We do a lot of, you know, vibrating on social media, but real life elections don't happen on social media. And so when people put up polls on social media and they use those polls as, um, you know, the criteria to say, this is the most um, popular person that will probably become the president. It doesn't work that way. There are millions of people without an Android phone. You know, there are millions of people that will vote that don't even have time. They they have never used social media in their lives before. And we do have, you know, the the older cadre of people that would go and vote and would not listen to, they will only listen to the person that tells them this is the person you are going to vote for. And so when all these things were, you know, happening, the vibration that was happening on social media was the fact that we, the youths, you know, kept saying we are tired of the old um, recycled politicians that we have and we want a new um, political class. But the thing is, all the um, candidates that contested for the presidency for this uh, election that we just um, concluded, they were still the renewed, the recycled politicians. So mm. um, the three most, uh, the three most challenging uh, contestants were Bola Tinubu from the APC, um, Atiku Abubakar from the PDP, and um, Peter Obi from the Labour Party. So Peter Obi was actually. Um, a member from the PDP before. He actually contested for the primaries in the PDP election and lost in the primaries before going to join the Labour Party. So, but the thing, the, the, the unique thing about this election was that we had three different, because we have predominantly um, three tribes in Nigeria. We have more, more ethnic groups, but we have predominantly three tribes, the Yorubas, the Igbos, and the Aousas. So we now had um, APC having a Yoruba candidate, Tinobu, uh, PDP having an Aousa candidate, Atiku, and then Labour Party having an Igbo candidate. 
So it now became an issue of three different political parties mm. from three different tribes. And so you you now have it in such a way whereby a particular person can become emotionally inclined towards a candidate because the person is from his tribe, not mainly because from a particular political party. So we had this, it was, it was, it was actually tensive, and I was very, very concerned that it might turn out to become you know a worse situation because everybody was just saying if this person becomes the president we are going to start up a war and all that but thankfully we there was no war there was no in fact there was no violence just the normal thing that usually happens during the election ballot paper you know boggling and all kind of stuff but eventually the president was announced it wasn't announced during the day anyway, because ever since we were having the elections, they usually announced the winner of the presidential election during the day. But this one was announced in the middle of the night. So everyone just woke up and we heard that we now have a new president. So, and we are actually very grateful because all the other contestants have decided to go to court. The, the tribunal is, the, the case is in the court right now. But even though the case is in the court, they are going to inaugurate the new president in a few days' time. So mm. that's what is happening in Nigeria right now. So most of the yeah. youths that are now, you know, complaining powerfully, most of the ones that have the ability to move out of Nigeria, a lot of people have relocated to the UK, Canada, the US, you know, and all parts of the world. So the ones that cannot afford to relocate are still in Nigeria and they are looking for, you know, a way to, you know, live a better life for themselves in Nigeria. So that's basically what's happening in this country right now. So wow. no one, so mainly um, we had the political parties, the, the ones that lost the election, they came out and did some, I would rather call it some entertaining um, rallies to protest because, you know, when you come out, you say you want to protest against an election that just concluded, and you have trumpeters, you know, playing music and people dancing and all that. That's not a protest. That's more like entertainment. So that was what actually happened, and then everything died down, and um, we are having you I know, just, peace. Uh, yeah, oh, that's all, I mean, that's that's the best result, right? Uh, but the 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 two the two comments you made, one around. Uh, the conversation on social media and the reality for most people who don't even have a phone and are not on social media, that's fascinating because uh, I think most people in other parts of the world forget that. Um, but the other side, of course, is the tribal side and most people don't really understand that in, in, in Africa. You know, every country's got these different tribes based on how the Europeans broke, broke the, the continent up, right? So, um, yeah, wow, that's fascinating. What about the wider Sudan story and how that's, sort of being seen, you know, because there's a risk that it could ripple out and consume the whole region. Have you... Uh, the, the, the Sudan issue, from my own understanding of what usually happens in Africa, whenever there is, like, an internal problem within an African country, what usually happens is that the neighbouring countries or, you know, other African countries or other African leaders they usually just pay lip service. 
they 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 don't they are more concerned because the, the, the political class are more concerned about what's happening within their own country and how they can you know just do what they usually do uh, in their own country you know so when there is trouble in other countries they usually look at it from the perspective of what is there for us to benefit from and how do we approach this in such a way that when um, this person loses, we are not going to be affected because what usually happens is we have, okay, like we have the general Abdul Fattah and um, general Mohammed having a clash in Sudan. And those two generals are actually people that have actually been within the corridors of power for years, for like 20 years, they have been within the corridors of power. They were actually like the PA to the um, the former president that was the president of Sudan for like 30 years. And so they knew they knew what this what um, Sudan has to offer. They, they have access to all the mineral resources of Sudan and they have powerful allies from all other countries. So it becomes an issue of other countries not wanting to um, go into Sudan. And the AU, the AU are actually having meetings, you know, talks and, you know, ceasefire talks with these guys. But from the interviews of both generals, it's like one of them, none of them is, is ready to relinquish power. So and yeah. when it's happening that way, they'll just keep, you know, doing these things and all those that are supposed to help the country because when things like this happen it's not the generals that are really affected it's actually the citizens of the country that are affected so but those that are supposed to as you know assist them they are only interested in the mineral resources of sudan and we know sudan has gold sudan has uranium sudan has you know some really solid mineral resources that other countries are looking for. In fact, in 20, I think in 2021, Sudan's gold export was around $2.85 billion. Yeah. Gold export alone. So you can see how you know powerful the country is. And that's the reason why this kept happening. So with countries like Egypt, Chad, Libya, Central African Republic, South Sudan, Ethiopia, Eritrea, all around the borders of Sudan, these countries are supposed to have actually stood up, you know, have a joint meeting and approach these two generals and talk to them, you know, to make sure that they find a solution to this problem. Because if solution is not being found, in fact, all the Sudanese um, refugees that are moving out of Sudan now, they are spreading around all those other countries and it's going to cause another, you know, influx of problem for those countries mm. if they cannot sustain those people coming into their country because of the war situation happening. Yeah. Yeah, right. Okay, so we're still a long way from the end, but at least uh, the conversations are happening. And I just think it's really important for people to understand that situation, you know, because it was in the news for a few weeks and it's it's hard to find the news on it now, but it's still a very important part of the story. It's part of the, the minerals an extraction story, you know, for the future, you know, sustainable energy sources, copper, lithium, all that sort of stuff, right? So not just gold, which um, I'm sure Joe will agree is um, when it comes to investing, gold seems to be coming out on top at the moment. Joe, you got any thoughts? 
Well, I mean, just the, the the kind of conundrum that's there for people or countries not involved directly, right? It's just how do you how do you bet on the right person on the breakup? You know what I mean? It's, I I think of it as a it's like a couple fighting, and you don't want to make your 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 comments made about how you feel about one side or the other because you don't know how it's all going to turn out. And if you if you come out on the wrong side, um, you pay the price for the lack of opportunity after everything is kind of settled down. And it seems to me that the only way it's it's going to move, it really is going to be one where the lip service is going to be supporting both sides. And that privately, each side, I have I can only imagine that all the political parties are contacting either side of this uh, of this uh, situation and sort of expressing their support for them, you know, quietly, so that when all is done, they're they're on the winning side. Exactly. Exactly. Hmm. Uh, are there any winners? All right. So another big story that's broken this week that I thought was very very interesting is talking. So we're, we're this month they're looking at signing the Global Plastics Treaty. And there's all sorts of shenanigans and voices not being included at the table. And, you know, as far as I'm concerned, as a person who cleans up the beaches and sees the waste, it's time to end single-use plastic. But uh, one story is that more than, and this is a very conservative number, more than 200 million people face more intense and frequent floods due to plastic pollution blocking drainage systems. And I can vouch for this because I saw it myself last October. Uh, so there's a story that focuses on this devastating flood in um, Mumbai in 2005 and it killed 1,000 people. And basically it was because there were so many plastic bags in the drains that the, the, water, the water couldn't be released and, um, and drained out of the city, so all those people died. So, you know, um, the, the countries that they're saying at risk are Cameroon, Nigeria, the Democratic Republic of the Congo, Ghana, Bangladesh and Indonesia all have experienced more floods and this is due to basically plastic waste dropping, uh, uh, blocking the drainage. And what's really important about this is the water can rise, the water lever can rise by by one, so we've got a clicking sound going on, by Sorry, one metre, yeah. all right, yeah. the water can rise by one metre within the first hour of flooding. So that's obviously a significant uh, issue, right? So, mm-hmm. um, you know, like, please, we've got to stop plastic, say no to single-use plastics, uh, the the West is still shipping their waste out to to the the global South, and it's a big part of the problem. Waste is supposed to double by twenty thirty, triple by twenty fifty. We can't do this anymore. It's just it's revolting what we're doing to the Earth. Even the Pope's coming out and saying we're living in a you know a, a, a dirty environment now, and he's absolutely right. So that's another story to pay attention to. Joe. Well, um, uh, this is out of the G7 right now where they're, they're having this big meeting and a number of uh, themes have come out of it. One is that uh, uh, the world is sort of expressing its concern about China's uh, economic coercion. So, you know, it, it's it's kind of the, the, the rise of the Chinese government's influence in terms of uh, corporates uh, that, that is now concerning more and more countries because it's... The, the impact of it is is more local to all of them. So, uh, like China's recently been been more involved, shall we say, um, with their tech companies and also in companies that are based in China. They, they've, they've had little, they've had a spy, um, what do we call them, a, a, a audits, if you like, they're trying to audit companies in terms of their 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 their, their actions and how they might be affecting China. 
Um, they've uh, they've exerted sanctions on, on countries where uh, they've supported countries that supported Taiwan, for instance, pay a price um, on the economic side of things. So the G7 has now sort of uh, has issued its veiled threat, so to speak, um, about this, and as, as in like you know we're noticing and we don't like it. Uh, of course, on the Chinese side as well, they've also, you know, made their feelings uh, f- strongly felt about that as well, saying that it's all unfair. Um, but uh, I, I think if you've been looking at the level of intervention that the Chinese government is prepared to do in terms of tipping the scales of, uh, of business and economies, uh, they're, they're far more willing to do things directly. And I think uh, that doesn't sit too well with the those people used to the Western economies. Um, mm. Another interesting thing that happened in the G seven, of course, is uh, we had a, a star drop in. I suppose you could you could describe it. Um, you know, I, I was reading the article and realized that little was actually said about what he did, but we talked a lot about him being around. Uh, Zelensky, um, the uh, president of Ukraine. Um, arrived, uh, got a lot of attention, got into meetings, and we don't know what the um, the outcomes of those meetings are. We just know a little bit about some F-16s and F-16 training with the Americans. Uh, but apart from that, yeah, I think he was uh, basically, the, the, he added a bit of pizzazz <laughs> to the goings-on mm. of the G7. Yeah, I think there's more commitment. Obviously, the, the F-16 agreement was signed while he was on on the plane before he landed in um, in Japan, so that was kind of interesting. But I, I just found that you know there's there's a bit of back and forth on the from a political front, you know, China versus the G7, and I don't know. Uh, there's strength in the in the G7 I haven't seen for a while. So uh, I think what so, I think what's happened is 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 when we 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 used to be uh, a lot more comfortable with not saying anything. And I think uh, Europe, for the longest time, uh, kind of, kind of uh, uh, held held its tongue a little bit, you know. Um, mm. But I, I, I think the influence and the greater influence, and the, I, I think it's also the 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 the, the I would say gumption, but it, it's it's the commitment that China has shown to standing up for its own values. Um, I think that's really yeah. now made people realize that okay, you know, I, I think we're dealing with more than just an economic uh, partner. We we are we're dealing with ideology now, and and that's a uh, it's a different kind of a uh, dynamic. Yeah, no, no, I agree. And uh, so the magic sauce. Uh, I would not be surprised if within ten years we'll see China launch the great cleanup and overnight turn around the country, or hopefully turn around the world. Yeah, I mean, that's the sort of scale that we need. So one of the stories Tim was going to cover, and we, we, we're sort of moved, ticking through the time, was um, the US uh, Surgeon General issues advisory on profound risks of child social media use. And then there's another one that says how New York City teens reacted to Surgeon General's social media warning. And it's basically uh, back off government, back off parents. And it's a, that's a really interesting perspective to read because if we want to fix it, We've got to do it the right way, and I don't think old people who didn't have social media at their fingertips for, for their entire life are the right people to do it. All right, so um, Ariwa, we've t- <laughs> Tim's arrived. We're almost finished, but we're just going to just talk from a, you know, you were talking about your – hey, Tim. <laughs> we, we just – yeah, just so um, 
I can't hear at the moment. I don't know if you can hear me. We can hear you. We can hear you. So continue right. and I'll sort myself out. Yeah. Okay. Um, so what's going on in, in, in Africa as far as climate goes? I know that you guys are absolutely pummeled with the waste, just like we're seeing over here in Asia as well. Um, awareness levels, adaptation efforts. I know that recently you were putting some solar on your house, which I was going great. Um, having having your own, getting off the grid is really important as far as um, you know these extreme temperatures go. But so, give us give us your perspective. Uh, well, with with the climate change, generally in Nigeria or like let me say in Africa, some of the challenges that actually give rise or is continually giving birth to the climate. Apart from um, those. Um, Issues I mentioned the other time about um, property, you know, realtor and all stuff like that. Um, it's mainly uh, one of the things is the failure of the government to provide um, adequate social amenities that are necessary for the people to make use of, like, say, um, electricity, pipe bone water, and some other things, because if we look at some of those things that gives rise to uh, global uh, climate change and you know, global warming and stuff really happening, okay, let, let me give you a, a very good example. If there is epileptic power supply, like in Nigeria, where sometimes for days we don't have electricity supply and we still have to pay for you know electricity you don't use. And so... If you don't have the money for for solar installation, you need to um, go get a generator. We call a, a a particular generator. I pass my neighbor. It's actually a very small um, generator that um, is actually affordable. So we give it the name. I pass my neighbor just because <laughs> uh, you want to make use of you know a generator to have electricity. So one of the biggest problems we have is the problem of CO2, CO2 emission. Because mm. you now have a property of um, 10 rooms where a family occupied each room, a family of um, you know six, maybe the husband, the wife, and four kids occupying each room, and each of those rooms having a past my neighbor. So we mm. have just one, just one property having 10 generators and they are putting it on at night every day. You know, mm. consistency or two. We've had a lot of situations whereby people put on their generator. They're, they are trying to, because sometimes you put on your generator, you put it outside and you sleep off. And before you know it, someone comes there, disconnects it and steals it away. So, <laughs> so people get to, sometimes people have to put their generator in the house. They lock it up and then the next morning, CO2 has killed the entire family. So right. the robots get there and then they discover that because of the fumes of uh, the generator, you know, we've, we've lost the entire family. So we need to have, we, have, we need to have it in both ways. We need to have the government to really stand up and provide adequate social amenities. Electricity is very, very vital for development of every nation and People are just looking at it from the perspective of we need to have light, we need to watch TV, we need to do this. But they are not even seeing it from the perspective of if there's adequate electricity, there's going to be reduction in the use 
of all these things that pro that produces uh, carbon monoxide. So yeah. because the rate at which we use generators in Nigeria is like 10 times, if not 20 times, the rate at which we use you know, motor vehicles and other stuff that actually, because every company in Nigeria here, every company, not like, not almost every company, if you want to start a business in Nigeria here, you need to have a very big generator set that, you know, you have to put on every time they take the light. And so everything, you know, adds mm. up and increases the problem of global warming we have in Nigeria. So yeah. the orientation is there. We keep trying to make people understand that they need to change uh, what they use for their electricity. But, you know, it, it, it's, it's a long, it's actually a long, very, very long journey. Very long yeah, journey. It's, it, it's, you know, it's, it's so incredible because, of course, people might not necessarily know. Many people have never even seen a generator around the world, right? But they're all run on fossil fuels. And um, like uh, another problem that we're seeing in the world is it, like the the air conditioning industry is exploding. But of course, the air conditioners that people are tending to buy are the the cheapest, and they're the ones with the most emissions. So we're having this explosion of purchasing of technology to allow people to cool themselves, or just to be able to read or see or whatever they need to do, right? Um, and, and this is happening in some of the most populous nations on the planet. And we need to get on top of that and we need to handle that, right? So, yeah, yeah it's a really big issue. It's a massive issue. Um, so, it's yeah, uh, I, I was speaking to someone from India about it just recently in one of the climate coaches. And we've, we've, we've got to tackle this because the, the, there's it's millions of people using this emission machines, right, and more so than cars and motorbikes, as you just said, right? So... <laughs> We've got to get on top of that. All right. Um, so our themes as we wrap up today is uh, attention goes, energy flows. So there's a famous philosophy where where you put your attention, so where the attention goes, the energy flows. And basically what this means is what we concentrate on becomes bigger. And all you need to do is look at the media or social media, especially Twitter at the moment, which is, feels like a such an outrage place. Um, a lot of attention is being focused on the shiny stuff, so the famous people doing whatever they're doing, but also mm -hmm. the ugly and divisive stuff. So when I see Marjorie Taylor Greene, uh, Lauren Bobert, I don't know if you guys know her and her new boyfriend, She's uh, they're talking about setting up a MAGA Christian church so you can get a sense of what they're like. Um, <laughs> everything that's going on with Donald Trump. Um, Rudy Giuliani's case, I don't know if you guys read it. It was so disgusting reading it. Um, uh, Boris Johnson, I mean, on we could go, right? And so what I thought would be worthwhile is what are the strategies that we can share, that we use to help others who are really struggling? Because people are disappearing from the social discourse because it's too ugly, right? So what are the, some of the strategies that we can use? You know, how do we how do we live in this world of noise and chaos but, but still have the energy to pay attention to what matters? Because there's so much that does matter. The problem is what we should be paying attention to isn't exact, ex, exactly lovely. Uh, it's pretty frightening. So how can we stop being overwhelmed by the news and the division and the hatred and start focusing on what matters? Anyone want to start? Well, one of the things that I thought about was, you know, how we can try and do things automatically, right? Because I, I, I think that the, the, one of the challenges is when we, we, we let our emotions take us. There are going to be days when we feel like we can do a lot, and then there are going to be days that we feel we can't do anything. 
and and I think we got to try and figure out how to do things automatically. Um, so yeah, I mean, it goes back to ideas, like I I heard over the the convention, you know, talking about like uh, you know buy one give one and that sort of thing, right? Yeah. Um, in, in terms of views or in terms of doing the stuff, you have to come back to doing the thing you would do, uh, even if even if it's difficult to do. So. Uh, an example myself for myself anyway was like like today's show right i mean i i i've had eye surgery every reason to not do a show uh but i decided you know what i'm going to be doing this show anyway because it's what i do every second friday right and yeah. it's something that i that i put down and said it will be done uh, over the long term so it, it it's and again, it, it's modified a little bit about what I've, 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 uh, you know, been more committed to as well. My, my personal, uh, my, my personal, you know, uh, inclinations have, have, have shifted slightly. I, I hope I've gotten wiser, um, but I'm still focused on on this particular area. And I think people need to budget their life in terms of attention ahead of time, rather than just wait for your attention to be stolen. Hmm. I like that. Tim, do you want to add some Hi, thoughts? Hi, everyone. I know your attention's been stolen. Yeah, sorry about that. Um, <laughs> yeah, look, for, for me, I think um, – Hi, Ariwa, by the way. Nice to, nice to meet you online. Um, All right, for me, I, I think politics has become a reality TV show. And I, yeah. and I, think, and I think that we as – consumers of politics and i know that sounds weird but as consumers of politics we need to shift away from being consumers of a polit- uh, of a political tv show and we need to move towards we, we need to be able to segment and switch into responsible citizen mode so there's an element of consumer maturity that's required and i think mm. the only way that that can really happen weirdly enough is to use the platforms that everybody's looking at to create a trend against political playground bullying. Because that's really what we see in political campaigns now. We see playground bullies becoming the winners. Yeah. And those playground bullies, then it's bully one versus bully two to go to, the, to, to be the ruler of the country. And once you've got playground bullies running mm-hmm. the country and that yeah. becomes the dominant political avenue to become the leader then you've, we've got a real problem so so what we and and the, the the challenge is the sensible thinking person who has a, a an intelligent team who cares about their people that person there is not getting the spotlight because the squeaky wheel is getting all the oil and the squeaky wheel is the noisy, in-your-face, soundbite-heavy, name-calling, mud-slinging politician who is the one that seems to be getting front news. And then when people go to the elections, they go, well, I don't know any of these people except for the one that throws all the mud. I guess mm. I'll vote for that person. And that's, yeah. that's, that's where I think we've got an issue. So I, it, it almost needs... It, al- it needs social influences to shift from look at me and buy this product to look at the problem and let's consider the solution and and get people to follow um, 
values rather than follow, you know, highlight reels and nonsense. Yeah. And I know well, that's... Yeah. I mean, how on no, earth do you, you know do I that? agree that's with that. No, well, I think you've got to be an example, right? Be, yep. the, be, be the change you want to see, you know, all that sort of stuff. But, you know, but and it doesn't... Vote, vote, for, vote for and get behind the candidates that have got that sort of empathy and that care, that compassion for people, um, and then be their voice because they need the media platform. They need us who, who might be a little bit more exuberant online or or whatever it is, to go, that's the responsible one. That's the one we need to be following. Yeah. And no, 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 this guy's a name caller. This one. Yeah. You know. Let's vote for grown-ups and support them. What about you, Ariwa? Oh, well, well, from what Tim said, it's actually very interesting um, when you look at things like that from all kinds of perspectives. And um, sometimes when you, like, personally... I, I, I'm the kind of person that when I post things online, it sometimes sparks um, controversy with other people's way of thinking. And so when you don't allow yourself to be bullied, because you also need for, for you to become that voice that helps people to realize what is wrong and what is right, you need to be able to make sure that you have that Effrontery and that personal um, strength to not allow yourself to be bullied because sometimes you make these statements and you say, you know, just like you just said uh, about the person putting up the most mud on, you know, online, and you come out and say, okay, we have heard you. What is it that you have for us? And then you see the bullies; they'll come out from nowhere, like two hundred comments under your comments calling you names, like, there's no, there's nothing sustainable, there's nothing reasonable that they'll say other than call you names. Are you an idiot? Are you this? Are you that? And when you get yourself in that kind of situation, you need a lot of strength not to be allowed to be because that's the only way that you can help others to realize also that there are trolls all over the place. You just have to be able to maintain your, your status quo to be able to grow uh, the kind of um, orientation or the kind of um, movement that Andrea is actually uh, asking us to start up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's cool. You know, the, tr- the troll thing's a really important one for people to pay attention to because they win when they, sh- they shut us down, right? So you can't let them shut us down. But the troll activity that I'm seeing, it's so mindless and there's obviously a lot of bot activity. Uh, there are forces at play in the world that are destabilizing the world through these communities, and uh, uh, we can't let them win. So from a troll perspective, you know, probably my least favorite trolls are the ones that make the little digs, you know. They're just like, oh, go away. You know, if you've got nothing nice to say, go away. The other the other ones, they just don't even make any sense to me. So um, focus on your community rather than the random strangers you meet out there on social media. So I'm less interested in opinions out there, you know, unless over time they earn earn my interest. Um, but the other thing, you've got to be the person that you want to see in the world, right? And I, I, I really believe in that. So how we behave is important. Don't react to everything. Don't jump on everything. Um, and, and the biggest thing for me is you've got to take the emotion out of news. You got to, And it's hard to take the emotion out of the news because – 
you can you can look at the news all day and go, oh my god, we're, we're completely screwed, right? But that's doesn't serve anyone. It doesn't serve anything. It, just look at it all objectively, because over time things change, and you know the world's changing all the time, right? But take try and take the emotions out, and if you're responding from an extreme emotion, and that can be fear, anger, rage, it can be a, a whole thing, a whole host of emotions, right? But if extreme emotions are behind what you're saying, you're, you're you're operating from an emotional place, and I think that's a big problem that the world's going through right now. And I, I think it's adding to the crisis that we're in. This this you know this um, this the fear speak or the you know I, I don't know how to say it in a better way, right? Does that make sense? It does make sense. You know, I, I think that the, the the challenge that we are eternally faced with is because it's going to be what gets attention and how we have to sort of devalue what gets attention. You know, it, it's it, 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 almost like we reduce it to a point where getting attention by using this emotion is seen as low class. It has to be, it has to fall out of style. Um so that it can leave room now for the other stuff. And then maybe what, what we could do is try to, you know, it's a sophistication of the, of, of, <laughs> of the universe, really. You, you try to get everyone to get to the point where they go like, okay, no, no, that's, that's not very cool. And then sort of like become more attuned to the, to the, to the, to the more important stuff. And I, I think it's a very tall order. I don't, I can't see a simple way uh, of doing it, I mean, of course, it's not a simple problem, but it, it's mm. it, it's not it's not easy to 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 get past someone's very basic instincts. I mean, you're you know, all I have to do is poke you from behind, and I've and I've got you in an mm. emotional situation where you're going to do things differently and less well judged than than you would if I if I hadn't done it right. And we are we're driven uh, in a sense like that, and and I mean it's a bizarre idea, but uh, okay. So so the world could do with becoming Buddhist. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it, it, that that's sort of like the the, the summary, but it's not going to be easy to do. Okay, yeah. well, I, I don't know about that last bit, but but what <laughs> I, what I what we, we've got every faith under the sun on this particular. Uh, call today but yeah. the, but my my you know i think there is a way to do it we have what we have seen is we've seen it it, it might be as crazy as i i think there's two things here one is the simple a simple one that's really not going to really impact in a major way but one is to get a hashtag happening where like the me too movement got, got a lot of airtime and is keep it keeps getting it, um, but it's certainly had a big impact airtime for a while because people were able to identify when they put that little hashtag in, it immediately identified them as on a particular side or associating with with uh, empathizing with the actual problem. Um, for example, so there's a there's a hashtag side, but actually I think the solution is probably going to come from artificial intelligence, and I think it's going to come from us having the opportunity there will be apps there'll be apps that can that can um, be a filter between us and the social media platforms and we can activate those apps i'm making this up at the moment by the way this is an idea <laughs> okay so this is an idea where 
where what it what it can do is you can say I want I want you to filter out the trolls. Now AI will need to work out who a troll actually is because if if there's a button to go that comments a troll button. If I don't like what Ari was saying, uh, even though he's saying the truth, I could be just like no, he's a troll. And so I hit the troll button, and then he gets a troll mark against him. Now if it's simple. Um, simple algorithms at the moment. I mean, they're, they're complicated, of course. But if it's simple at the moment, then he might just get excluded from a whole bunch of stuff because enough people said he's a yeah. troll when he isn't a troll. So what AI will be able to do is to assess his comments against what it machine learning has taught it and go, yeah, actually, his comments are very trollish or no, he's not a troll. And then it evaluates who's the people that said he's a troll to see whether they're just a bunch of people that have been employed to shut down his voice. Uh, or or bots as well. So I, I think AI is going to have this wonderful opportunity to to be our troll police in a, in a sense because humans and because it needs to have some sort of rules there where humans are then not the one making the decision because they that's going to have political motive coming in. Uh, so once the 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 algorithm set up and then it'll be about which algorithm do you trust to use as your troll filter. And then that algorithm will get dominance across a lot of social media platforms and you start to be able to get intelligent conversation happening. And when enough voters, active voters, start using that filter or that that uh, AI interface, that then could be a really, uh, really interesting place to be. So I think it's doable with technology as a filter but ultimately human beings need to make a decision and we need to make we need to decide we need to get out of the game where we've been sucked into yeah. and it's it's the attention game and we've and we we need to we need to be able to just um we we need to wake up i guess yeah. totally agree totally agree so getting some good comments here from the magic source um, but yeah, we, we, we need to start being adults, you know, we need to start being adults. And I think we need to, you know, someone was asking me, is there hope when it comes to the climate? And I said, you know, I've, I've read from hope to doom. And I think we, 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 we've got to stop being childish and expecting some, you know, solutions going to be offered on a plate. It's not, we need resolve to change yeah. who we are how we behave in the world and the world that we've built. And we need some resolve to change, change it all and build something better. And it's not simple. It's not easy, but we, we know the, we know the outcome if we don't, well, we know variations of the outcome if we don't. Right. So I think it's, I don't know. I just kind of feel like the children have been running the show for too long and it's time for people to grow up. Well, well what, what, so, what's happened is we're, we're, we've come into a situation where we are like, uh, we, it's like we're driving a car and the, and the kids want to drive. And we're saying, yeah, yeah, sure, go ahead. You know, uh, I've been a good parent <laughs> and I want to be supportive and you go ahead and do that. Yeah, let, let, let them make the mistakes. Mm-hmm. Um, and and, I, and mm-hmm. I think what we, we should always have in mind is the idea that at some point you got to go like, okay, you know what? I need to take the wheel back. Um. And I know you're not going to feel great about that, but that that's part of me also being an adult. I think I think a lot of people don't like not being liked. People want to be liked, you know. They 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 want to be they 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 want to show and signal socially what they are. 
Um, you know, I, I mean, I think that, like, for instance, uh, that there is being too woke. Um, we we just need to do what needs to be done rather than keep figuring out what the signal it gives off is. I'm so disappointed to hear you use the word woke. Arira, final thought? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, uh, well, to wrap everything up, I, I think uh, just like um, Joe said, we we need to look at things from all perspectives. Like I always say, um, I'm the kind of person that usually likes to listen to uh, both sides of you know the the party to really understand what's going on and see how things could be um, amicably solved. And uh, if we if we look at what's happening all over the world, uh, there have been a lot of distractions here and there, and, and mostly we we have come to discover and we have come to actually realize that the distractions are usually being created intentionally just to make sure that we focus on something else while something much more dreadful is happening around the world. And it has happened over and over again in the US and every other part of the world. And so it's time for us to make sure that we are able to identify what is noteworthy and uh, what needs to you know, be focused on. And yeah. um, I think I think that's what I have to give for my... Yeah. Nice, nice. The old critical thinking skills need to come back. All right, what's keeping you distracted, guys? Who wants to start? <laughs> well, there's a left eyeball. Um, <laughs> so that's, uh, that's a little bit of a hassle. Well, basically, what I've been doing is contemplating really hard about what my life would be like without one eye, without a leg, without something else. I mean, I, I, I've been... I've been uh, sort of thrust into this, you know, uh, ultra resourcefulness. I go like, if if I didn't have all the things I usually have, what would I do, and how would I do it? Um, so I've been spending a lot of time contemplating that. Uh, I have been consuming an inordinate uh, number of podcasts from the folks who bring you the series, uh, you know, Q Q uh, QI. I don't know whether you you know that show in the US uh, in the UK. It's called mm. Quite Interesting. So the producers of that show, they, they produce another show called uh, uh, There's No Such Thing as a Fish. Uh, it's a podcast. And it's all about <laughs> just favorite favorite facts around the world. And they have like more than, I think, uh, 500 episodes and all that. So I've been happily consuming all kinds of trivia, which could make me a very interesting person next time we meet in person. Um yeah, or not? Yeah, or not? Uh, but that's that's basically it. And uh, and and last night, I will just say that I had the most amazing dream. Um, <laughs> I can't. Uh, it, it was. It was. Uh, it was. It's in, the morphine. In, it was all. Uh, yeah, it was very well rendered. It had a good plot line, but then again, my judgment may have been uh, somewhat hampered. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sometimes drugs are good, right? Uh, <laughs> Thank you. We will keep up the conversation, I promise. All right, Tim, what's keeping you distracted? Um, Australia trip today, so that's that's the reason why uh, I'm so sorry about that too. But um, so we're, we're just about to go to the airport and um, get to go see mum and dad, which is great. So my studies have taken a hiatus for a moment as we have a mid-semester break, which is great. And... Um, but, you know, one of the things online that I've been looking at and, and really laughing out loud on 
uh, is, I think his name is Firefighter Fenton. I've posted a few things on my Facebook page of his. Oh, yeah, you're right. Okay. And some of them are, they're just short little clips. He's a firefighter. He's a, he's a legit firefighter, but he dresses up as this character um, who's, who's just, you know, and he's got public service messages going out. And it's a really interesting way of communicating, actually. Lots of funny shows. And then when there's a moment like remembering firefighters who lost their lives and something or other, he puts up a post. And so all the people that come to consume his content get to see something really, really mm. interesting. And, you know, and, and he's also, I mean, so, for example, he shows there's one, of the, one of the clips is a guy on a swing who's just going, wee, on a swing. And there's a fireplace in front of where the swing is swinging. And so mm -hmm. you know what's going to happen, right? So the guy's swinging, wee, wee, and then it collapses and he lands right in the middle of the fire. And it cuts to the firefighter who's like, um, job security, hee. <laughs> it's, it's, it's nice. He just knows with idiots like that in the world, he's always got a job. So, yeah, right. you know, and I, <laughs> I just, I found it so funny. And uh, so I was yeah. binging on that for a little bit. Uh, also watching Manchester United scrape into the Champions League, which is nice. Um, and yeah, so, hey, I, you know what? I've been enjoying the break from studies. Yeah. And, yeah, I can imagine you've been going pretty hard, right? Yep, and I've I've just sort of you know wanted to binge for a bit. Yeah, um, but at the same time, trying to get ahead of the curve with next semester coming up too. So yeah, yeah. All right, Arira, what are you what are you doing? I know you never stop working. So, uh, uh, well, well, most recently I've been quite involved in you know by in our, in our NGO. Um, because we've uh, in the past we had quite a lot of programs, a lot of offshoots, and so now they are, we are trying to revisit the NGO and um, we are trying to look at some of those things that we've done in the past that we could actually bring back, and uh, we are trying to also look at how do we go ahead and because right now you know then we are like in the in the local scene, but now we are much more in both the national and international scene. So I'm looking at really expanding um, what we have to offer for the NGO, like getting international sponsors, you know, involving international influencers as our BOT and other stuff. So it's it's actually a very big uh, project for myself and my colleague that uh, we are trying to really put things uh, in place. And at the same time, I'm... Actually, getting much more interested in becoming a, a video creator. So, most recently, I've been creating some fascinating videos. It's been challenging anyway, but I'm, I'm trying to make sure that I do a video a day. So, you know, promoting myself, my own um, services, and also trying to make sure I can create videos that would help business owners to realize some of the things that they can do to help them grow their business also. So this, these are actually the two main things that are taking my time right now. Mm -hmm. yeah, Yuri's saying video is king. Uh, every day I did a, I did 50 days, 50 videos, and it almost killed me. Um, I, <laughs> yeah, I, I just prefer not to be. So um, I finally finished all seasons of The Blacklist, and um, I, I believe it was the last episode of Ted Lasso this week. So if you have not watched Ted Lasso, Please no, watch no, spoilers, no spoilers. No spoilers. No, I'm not going to spoil it. It's just one of those shows that just makes me smile all the time because yep. people are kind. 
you know, and that's to me, that's 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 what we need more of, more kindness in the world. But anyway, Ariva, thank you so much for coming to join us. It's been really, really fantastic to hear your perspective. And um, you know, I wish you so much luck with the NGO. And I'm sure the three of us are here if you need us, if you want to do something with us that's gonna help you be successful. I'm you know, you, you call me call on me anytime. Um Tim, have a great time in Australia. And Joe, I hope your eye I'm a bit disappointed we didn't get to be pirates, but um uh, yeah, I mean, I hope you recover as well, you poor thing. It's not much fun, but, yeah. We'll be back in a couple of weeks, probably without Tim, right? Joe's always been a bit one-eyed. Um, the Yeah, without yeah, yeah, a couple of weeks I won't be here, but uh, the following one, yeah, sure. Yeah, that will be our final for the season when you come back. Oh. Yeah. There you yeah. go. I'm, I'm the finale. You are the finale, darling. All right. We'll say goodbye. Cheers, everyone. Have a great weekend. All right? Bye, all. All right. Take care, everybody. About the week, no show. What's happening in our streets? No show. They'll help you understand all the latest issues going on in the land. Making sense of what's going on about the latest news affecting everyone. No show. They talk about the week. No show. What's happening in our streets? No show. No show.